Well, good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Michael Risk. I'm part of the ministry staff here at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. And today we are continuing our series on the prologue of John. And looking today at verses 6 to 9. Uh, this is the fourth sermon in our seven-part series. I uh, Please have your Bibles open as we read our passage. And I'll be reading from John chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to John chapter 1, verse 9. That's John chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. And this is God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, God, was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to your living and active word this morning, teach us more of what it means to make Jesus known in our lives. Teach us how best we are to lead others to our Lord and Savior Jesus. And we pray, Father, teach us more of what it means to be on mission for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do we have a message here on Sunday? Why do we have someone come up here and stand and talk from the pulpit for the next 25 to 40 minutes? Is it because we like the person? Perhaps. Is it because we think he's a great speaker? Maybe. Is it because we think that he's nice to look at? Uh, if, this, if this is you, you have my thanks. But I don't think so. If these were the only reasons why we listen to this guy up the front for the next 30 minutes, I can imagine that the only people that would be here today would probably be my family. And even they may consider that listening to me for the next 30 minutes is much longer than is necessary. A preacher of God's word they have such a unique role. They stand here from the pulpit for the next 25 to 40 minutes every Sunday uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. And not even politicians and lawyers are given that kind of privilege. But why preachers? Why ministers? Why do we come here every Sunday and listen to them uninterrupted? It's because they have a message. We are not here to see if that person up the front, nor hear about them to see if they are a nice person. We are here because they have a message to proclaim. And that message they proclaim is about Jesus. In our Sunday message, 
We want to be able to be taken to the throne of grace. We want to see and hear more about who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he is still doing. We want to be led to the Savior. We want to hear a sermon about Jesus. I remember hearing a story about how Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher in the 19th century, on one particular Sunday, he was visiting a church. And on this Sunday service, he was not the preacher, but it was still his sermon that was preached. Uh, The young preacher up the front had before him a sermon written by Spurgeon. Uh, During those days, Spurgeon would preach a sermon, and it was not uncommon for his sermons to appear in the paper that week. And so before this young preacher was Charles Haddon Spurgeon, sitting in his pews, and the sermon before him was a sermon not written by him, but by Spurgeon. With fear and trepidation, this young preacher read out the sermon before him, knowing that he was speaking the words of the great preacher that sat in his pews. Uh, The story continues that after the service, the man went to Spurgeon with humility and apologized to him for what he had done. Do you know what Spurgeon said to this young preacher? What would you have said? How would you have responded to this young man? Would you have said that what he had done was plagiarism? Would you have accused this young man of stealing your work? And that he failed to give where credit, where credit was due? How did Spurgeon respond to this young man, this young preacher? He didn't respond in anger, but he gave his thanks. And he said, you led me to Christ. You led me to Christ. That's the role of a preacher. To lead us to Jesus. Not to show how great they are, but to show how great Jesus is. In our passage today, we meet a great man, a great preacher, a man who drew crowds to himself from all over Judea. He drew them to the wilderness so they could hear him speak. And what was this man's message? His message was that the word is coming. The title of today's sermon is The Word and His Messenger. And the big idea for today's message is the messenger testifies and makes the word Jesus known. The messenger testifies and makes the word Jesus known. And I have three points that I'm going to be working from today. The first, a man with a mandate. A man with a mandate. Second, a man with a mission. A man with a mission. And third, a man with a message. A man with a message. Let's have a look at that first point together, shall we? Point number one, a man with a mandate. Verse six. There was a man sent from God 
whose name was John. The Apostle John, interestingly, in his prologue, introduces us to a significant character. Why does the Apostle introduce us to a human figure, a man sent by God whose name is John? And the Apostle, like all the other Gospel writers, grounds the beginnings of Jesus' ministry with the ministry of John. In all four Gospels, John is the warm-up act to the main act to follow. In many ways, he is warming up the crowd for the main show. Perhaps like us, you've experienced this when you've gone to a concert. That before the band you paid to see, there is the band beforehand that warms up the crowd and he gets them ready for the main show. That's what John does. He gets us ready for the arrival of Jesus. And what is this first act like? What does the apostle tell us about John? First, he tells us that he is a man. A small detail. But the apostle is making a distinction between who John is and who the word is. We read in the first five verses, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word who is coming into the world, sent for the purpose of revealing who the Father is. It's not just a mere man. He is the incarnate Word. He is God. And He is coming to bring life, light, and hope. However, this messenger John is about a man. The Apostle is wanting us, even in this small detail, to know that Jesus needs to be our focus. John isn't the main attraction. It's Jesus. John affirms that Jesus is the main act in his own testimony. Listen to what John says concerning himself and Jesus. He says to his disciples, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said... I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Jesus must be our focus, not John. Not the great preacher in the wilderness who knew how to draw a crowd. Jesus was to become great, and John was to become less. Jesus must be the focus. Uh, we all have our favorite preachers. Preachers we like to listen to. And we like them, I hope, because they bring us to the throne of grace. However, when these great preachers mess up, 
we tend to focus on their mistakes. And when these men make mistakes, the faith of some people can waver, as a lot of their conviction can rest in the preacher rather than in Jesus. By all means, Cornerstone, listen to your favorite preachers, your Kellers, your MacArthur's, your Pipers, your David Joneses. But don't focus on the man. Don't focus on their eloquence. Don't focus if they have great oratory skills or not. But focus on whether they are taking you to the throne of grace. Are they leading you to Jesus? Friends, eventually we will have a minister come to Cornerstone to preach for a call. When he comes and preaches for that call, focus on whether he is bringing you to the throne of grace. Focus on whether he is leading us to Jesus. The second thing that the apostle tells us about John is that he is sent by God. Uh, What does this mean? It means that John is a prophet. A prophet is one who communicates and acts on behalf of God to the people. In the book of Isaiah, as Isaiah stands before the great throne of God, and God in his divine deliberation says that he needs someone to go to the people to carry out his plans. And in this scene, Isaiah says, send me. And he is sent. Why is Isaiah sent? Why does God need human prophets to carry out his will? Isaiah in this great scene shows us that a man cannot stand before God and remain unscathed. What does he see when he sees the holy, majestic, sovereign Lord? Well, he falls face down. And he says, woe! Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, from a people of unclean lips. A cornerstone. It is scenes like this in Isaiah chapter 6 that make us realize what we have been given in the Lord Jesus. In Jesus, we are able to stand before the throne of grace without any fear or condemnation. Uh, Without Jesus, people cannot stand before God unscathed. So before Jesus, God frequently used his prophets to mediate between himself and the people. They communicated what the Lord's will was. This was John's mandate. He was a man, a prophet sent ahead before Jesus to carry out God's purposes. And this brings us our second point. Point number two, a man with a mission. Looking at verses seven and eight. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John was a man on a mission. And his mission was to bear witness that the light was coming into the world. He gave a testimony that he was not the light, but bore witness that Jesus is the light. When asked who he was in John chapter 1, 
he said that he was not the Messiah, nor the prophet. How did he answer the Jewish leaders? He said, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. John quotes from our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. Here in these verses, the Jews were told while they were in exile that one day a voice in the wilderness was going to declare the arrival of the Lord to comfort the people that the Lord was returning and their sins were going to be paid for and that the Lord was going to once again be with his people. John declared this message, didn't he? Look what he said when his eyes first beheld Jesus in chapter 1, verse 29 to 34. John said this, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Did you hear what John said? That the reason he came baptizing with water was that Jesus might be revealed to Israel. He wanted Israel to know what was coming. We see this happening all the time, don't we? Supermarkets. When one event is over, they start preparing for the next. As Christmas finished, what did they start preparing for? Easter. That's right. And we see that happening all the time now. Today, as we go to the supermarket, they are trying to tempt us with all those chocolatey treats. And this is what John is doing. He is preparing us. He is advertising. He is letting us know that Israel's great big event was about to happen. He was the warm-up act to the great act, Jesus. John was letting us know that the Lord was coming. And when Jesus came, he came to take away the sin of the world. He came to give eternal life. He came to take people out of darkness to baptize them in the Holy Spirit and to give them new life. And where does this all take place? I want to suggest that primarily this takes place in the death and resurrection of Jesus. On the cross, Jesus lays down his life for his sheep. On the cross, he takes our punishment and the death that was meant for us. All who look to Jesus put their faith and trust in Jesus, that on the cross he paid for your sins. He will give you eternal life and raise you up on the last day. 
In the resurrection, we are then made co-heirs with Christ. In the resurrection, we are adopted and made children of God. To all those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. At the only time in the Apostles' Gospel that God is referred to as our Father is in John chapter 20. After the resurrection, where Jesus says to Mary, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Friends, it's in the resurrection, God the Father also becomes our Father. As children of God, we are then equipped by the Holy Spirit to then walk in His ways, to no longer live in darkness, but to live in the light of our Lord Jesus. And this, this was John's message to declare what Jesus was going to do, to point us to Him, that Jesus was going to take the sins of the world, that He was going to give new life, that He was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. John declared this message so that people would believe through him that when the incarnate word came, when Jesus came, people would not be caught off guard, but would know that the main act had taken center stage. John wanted us to know that what was about to take place upon the grandest stage of them all he wanted us to know that the greatest event in human history was about to happen. And he didn't want us to miss it. John was sent to prepare us and tell us that Jesus was coming. And this leads us to our third point. Point number three, a man with a message. Looking at verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. John said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John's message is that Jesus is coming. John preached this message because he didn't want Israel to let this grand event escape from them. Our friends, we have to understand that the coming of the Messiah was a long-anticipated event for the Jew. For the coming of the Messiah meant restoration. It meant freedom. It meant God coming and dwelling again with his people. There is a reason why the Jewish elders came to John and asked if he was the Messiah. For they were waiting with eager longing for the return of the Lord and the comfort that was promised them. And friends, we know that the Messiah has come. Jesus has come. And he saved, and he gave life and light to his people. And this is a message that you and I need to declare. We need to declare that the light has come. John's message is still relevant and needs to be declared today. Why? Because we still live in a fallen world where there is darkness, where people are still living in sin, 
where people are being hurt by sin and hurting others with their sin. We need to declare that the light has come into the world to give life and hope. But there is also another reason to declare that the light has come into the world. Because the light that came into the world will come back. And he will come back to judge the darkness. Jesus will be coming back. Jesus said in the book of Revelation that he will be coming back. And he told us that he will be coming back soon. Do you hear the urgency here, friends? Jesus could come back tomorrow. Uh, Yes, it's been 2,000 years, but that doesn't take away from the urgency. 2,000 years does not give us an invitation to be complacent because Jesus will return and will return soon. And when Jesus returns, he will raise those who belong to him to eternal life. However, those that do not belong to him, he will judge. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 5. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear his voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who will hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. John even preached of this coming judgment. In chapter 3, verse 34 to 35, John says this, For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. Jesus came to give life. Jesus came to give light but he will also come back to bring judgment. So the message that John declared, that Jesus has come to bring light and life, this is a message that we need to declare also. For the light of the Lord Jesus is coming back, and the light is going to judge the darkness. Let me end with some application. And the application is this. Friends, like John, we have been sent by God to declare his message. We have been sent by God to be on mission. The message we have is this. 
Behold the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. The message we have is that the Lord Jesus has come. He died for the forgiveness of sins. He has conquered death. And he has given life to a dying world. He has conquered the darkness and has defeated sin. And this is a message that we are not to keep to ourselves. But it is a message that we are to share and make known to those around us. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So you and I need to be on mission. We need to be on mission, taking this message and making it known. Letting the light shine through us in the midst of this dark world that we live in. And we have been told that we are to go and make known what has been made known to us. We are to declare the good news that we have received. Like John, we are to bear witness of the Lord Jesus, of what he has done what he is doing, and what he will do. Friends, we have to be like that young preacher who brought Jesus to his hearers. We are to lead people to the Lord Jesus. Friends, are we doing that? Are we making Jesus known? When people see us, when people hear us, are they seeing and hearing a message of who Jesus is and what he is doing? If we have been redeemed and restored to the Lord Jesus, then we need to be showing. We need to be showing that restorative and healing work in our lives. This means showing and making Jesus known to those around us. Making the, um, through healing, through the healing and restorative power of the gospel. Through our actions and language, being Jesus' hands and feet. Showing love and kindness where others would not. Speaking the healing and restorative comforting words of the gospel to a person's anguished soul. Friends, declaring a message through our words and deeds that Christ has come. And that he has come bringing life, light and hope. Uh, this is a message that we need to be continually sharing at work, at university, at school, amongst friends and family. Are we doing that? Are you doing that? Are we making the gospel known when people see and hear us? In what we say and do, are we testifying that the light has come into the world? When people see us, we don't want them to see us. But we want them, by our lives, our words and actions, to see Jesus. We want to lead them to Jesus. Let's pray.